The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Interra, innovation and stewardship for a sustainable tomorrow. By Xylem, let's solve water. By Black & Veatch, building a world of difference. By the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. By CanDo, providing actionable insights from utility wastewater data to improve environmental and public health. And by Woodard and Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operations services. This is Session 194. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you so much for joining me. We have another great show for you, this time with Nino Duplan, who's been working on water quality in the cloud before any of us really knew what the cloud even was. He brings a wealth of information and has some unique insights into water quality data that you're sure to find useful. Uh, also, just a reminder that this is the last show before our summer hiatus. No podcasts in July and the next podcast will drop on August 3rd. Uh, as always, we got to start off the show with a hearty thank you to our sponsors. Again, those sponsors of the Water Values Podcast include Interra, Xylem, Black & Veatch, the American Water Works Association, CanDo, and Woodard and & Curran. And I'd love for you to do me a favor. If you work for or with any of these sponsors, please thank your boss or your contact at that sponsor firm and let them know that you appreciate their leadership and support of the, the podcast through the sponsorship. You'd be surprised how far that simple note of thanks will go. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review yourself on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on. It'd be greatly appreciated and, of course, helps others find out about the podcast. Before we head on to the interview with Nino, just a note to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day to you. It's coming up. Uh, that includes you, Dad. Really appreciate all that you've done for me. So thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful and happy Father's Day. Now it's on to our feature guest, Nino Duplan, the CEO and founder of Locust Technologies. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Nino, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. So great to have you on. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's great to be speaking with you. Uh, for those who don't know who you are, could you uh, please provide a little thumbnail on your background and how you came and got interested in the water sector? Yes, thank you. Um, I have been in business uh, for over 30 years and uh, started my career in um, nuclear industry as a consultant. And that was the first time I met uh, with issues uh, dealing with, uh, with water, primarily cooling water on the nuclear power plants. And uh, in 1997, I founded the Locus Technologies. Uh, we were at the right place at the right time, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. And we pioneered the water quality management in the cloud when it wasn't uh, called the cloud at the time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, so how did you get uh, to to water quality management from working with process water and nuclear plants? How how did that transition occur? 
I joined the consult after graduating from Carnegie Mellon. I joined a consulting company at the time. It was called IT Corporation that was uh, focused on uh, cleaning contaminated sites, Superfund and the likes. And uh, we were dealing with a lot of uh, groundwater issues uh, and uh, contaminants in uh, groundwater. And that's uh, really when we noticed the avalanches of data stemming from contaminated sites that dealt with uh, primarily with water quality uh, management. And that's really uh, led us into all kinds of water in terms of um, you know, usage, uh, industrial water, uh, clean water, drinking water, wastewater, and so on. And that was the, really the beginning of, of uh, Locus Technologies uh, to deal with those issues and uh, large uh, amounts of uh, highly technical data that needed to be managed properly to report to regulatory agencies. Yeah, yeah. So when when we talk about using uh, you know cloud managed data services for water quality, what you know for, for for the layperson, what does that what does that really mean? Well, that that means that uh, all the infrastructure, hardware and the software, sits uh, in on somebody else's infrastructure in the you know in the cloud, which is a general term when you are not hosting applications on premises or at the plant uh, level. And uh, uh, 10 years ago, that was hard to understand. Today, everybody wouldn't do anything but the cloud. And in, in that sense, uh, industry is moving heavily in a, in a direction. And it was uh, particularly important during this uh, pandemic as everybody ended up working from home and those who didn't have access to their data through some kind of cloud service uh, were at disadvantage. Yeah, I th- that's a that's a great point. I, I I've I've heard uh, that that uh, systems that were more digitized and had embraced kind of the you know the the, the cloud based software uh, and cloud based data management and things like that were were able to survive the pandemic better. What what was I mean? It, it seems from your statement that you're you're in agreement with that. But do you have any any examples of of how uh, systems that used you know, cloud cloud managed services were, were well. Able- well, well before the pandemic, there were there were examples where cloud had a clear advantage, and uh, unfortunately, primarily related to major accidents that we witnessed over the last ten years or so. One of them was a Deep Water Horizon platform that uh, exploded in the Gulf of Mexico and sank. Now imagine if all the data associated with that platform were sitting on the platform itself, how hard it would be to get all analytics and what really happened before the accident. Uh, it would be all lost with, uh, with, the, with, the, <coughs> with the facility itself. Uh, because uh, BP had a lot of data in the cloud, they were able to act quickly, relatively quickly, and still preserve the history of operation of that plant. The other one is Fukushima. Uh, you know, the nuclear power plant was uh, wiped out by the tsunami wave and with it, uh, all infrastructure went down the drain together with, uh, with the you know, parts of the facility. Again, if uh, you have uh, your key information and data stored in the cloud, you avoid those type of disasters and can continue acting upon the data even when the plant is gone. Yeah, uh, great, great examples. I'm it's terrific to hear you to identify some concrete examples of how cloud managed data has, has uh, benefited uh, various systems. So 
let's talk about uh, specifically kind of the water sector and the challenges facing the water sector. So before we we hop into the next level on how data can can help with the help address some of the challenges, could you identify some of the challenges that you have seen uh, that are impacting the water sector? Yeah, there are, there are quite a few. If you look at the uh, water utility business that supplies uh, drinking water to most of the taps in the United States, we are talking about 20,000 plus utilities. Most of them, I would say, over 90% are still running on spreadsheets. And uh, and the amount of data is multiplying from year to year, and it's becoming almost impossible to run the requirements that uh, these utilities have to report their data to regulators uh, running of the spreadsheet. So the, that's uh, that's uh, one of the main main drivers behind the digital transformation to get the facilities of the spreadsheets and get them in a 21st century and cloud-based databases. The other challenge is as, uh, we have uh, multiple sets of data that need to be managed. Uh, obviously, the most important uh, are the data relative to distribution of water and, uh, and quantities of water. But that's relatively easy compared to uh, water quality data that uh, stems from the analytical labs and that require very strict processes how to, you know, starting from collecting the sample, how that sample is shipped to the lab, how is it analyzed in the lab, and all the metadata that come out of, uh, of the single test result. All of that combined creates a significant amount of data that requires a specific knowledge to be able to um, withstand the validation of the data in the case uh, it ends up in any kind of, lit of litigation. For that reason, uh, uh, the companies need to be very careful how they automate those processes. And then once all of that is done, you have data sitting in different silos. You know, there is a set of data coming from analytical labs, there is a field data, there is uh, data associated with operation of water treatment plants, and they are all kind of independent silos of information. You really can't do much without it unless you integrate it and make it interoperable among the data sources. And if uh, frequently we get asked questions, hey, we are reading about artificial intelligence and all these cool new technologies, how we can benefit from that? And the company asking that question is still running the spreadsheets, and I told them, you are three generations behind. You can't really even talk about AI before you, uh, you build your databases, make them interoperable, and capitalize on the historical data that you have in your silo systems. Yeah. So let's talk about um, using the, the, the digital transformation and how, how, do, how does the utility make the leap from the spreadsheet to the digital database and then further to AI. What can you kind of walk us through through that progression? Yes. Uh, well, I, there is a one a little advantage that those companies that are in spreadsheets, uh, still in spreadsheets, or some small access databases have, and that is that can leapfrog a couple of generations of technologies and go straight into the cloud without implementing some uh, complex uh, database on, on premises and trying to move from a spreadsheet to database and then eventually to the cloud. Uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, many third world countries avoided putting the infrastructure for telephone system in the ground, they went straight from almost nothing to cell phones. 
And uh, I think we are in a similar a similar case with a lot of utilities that want to make this transformation. And it's not if they want to make it, they just have to make that uh, because uh, otherwise they'll, they'll suffer from a uh, lack of uh, data to re- you know, correctly report to regulatory agencies. So the utilities that are still using spreadsheets, how are they, uh, how are they functioning? Um, because we've, we've heard how many, how much benefit the cloud has, or at least a digitization of the data sets have, where's the tipping point that, that these utilities that are still on spreadsheets, when do they start adopting? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, well, it's it's a, it's a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, uh, first, uh, they need to do a survey of everything they have and whether they can account for all the historical data that that may need. What we advise companies is rather than spending a lot of time figuring out how to move everything to the cloud, they have accumulated on a on hundreds of spreadsheets uh, or searching for data from departed employees, uh, start using the cloud now from today going on. And then uh, once you get adoption of the system and you have a couple of quarters of data sitting in a, in a new system that maybe even force you to make, to make changes to some of your standard operating procedures, then uh, create a team of people who will go back and hunt for historical data. And if, if that is necessary, move it into the cloud, because now you already have established procedures and you can, uh, you know, you can be much more effective. Because uh, what, you know, one uh, challenge that we find with many companies, they want to follow the logic and say, first, I'm going to move all my historical data in the cloud, and then I'm going to start using it for you know, ongoing operations. And what that creates is a, is a mountain at the beginning of the process that they have to climb. And usually what also happens when moving historical data into the cloud, because of data validation uh, process that is pretty strong, at least in our system, we discover tons of errors from the past. And that creates uh, you know, in, in immediate problems and asking the questions, how did this happen? Who did make the decision? We made a huge decision based on these numbers and now we are finding they are not correct. And uh, so uh, a lot of these issues can be avoided if companies uh, you know, do it in a stepwise fashion and first implement the cloud-based technologies with uh, proper data validation and uh, loading of data directly from the labs and then deal with historical data. Yeah, I really like that approach, getting, you know, just just starting essentially and then right. keeping the record. And then as you have time, go back and, and integrate it, the historical information. That's a really good point. Um, what about what about integrating and breaking down the silos? Why Why is, can you talk a little about the benefits of, uh, having kind of the single uh, system in the cloud and what cross-functional benefits that can, that can provide across the utilities, you know, various silos that may currently exist. Right. Well, that is, uh, you know, this is a, that is a second step in the process. Uh, you know, there are companies out there that are very good at, uh, you know, managing the, water treatment plant data, you know, integrating IoT devices and, uh, you know, capturing uh, streams of data and uh, and storing it in the cloud. 
And then there are companies that are very good at uh, water quality management that uh, has a totally different origin of the data because most of the data for water quality, uh, in spite of progresses that have been made on IoT side, are still coming from the labs. It's a process that is very similar, you know, in the healthcare industry that everyone is familiar with uh, when you take your blood sample. You know, that, uh, that, that little blood sample that comes um, out of the collection point uh, is shipped to the lab. You know, it's uh, equipped with a barcode or something similar, and it goes through the process of testing. And a few weeks later or a few days later, comes back to your primary physician to interpret the data. If there are, if there are outliers or exceedances on the list of uh, results, most likely the doctor will prescribe to repeat the test just to make sure that uh, everything went well in the lab. Similar process is happening on the water side, whether, it, whether it's a drinking water, wastewater or industrial water, the testing process of, of water sample is pretty much the same everywhere. Uh, although the different regulations may apply later in, uh, in terms of interpret, interpretation of those results. And uh, it is those results that dictate what you will do later on your treatment system. It is, uh, you know, again, to use the same analogy, once you have done all the blood testing, your, your uh, doctor may prescribe surgery or something uh, uh, you know, that, that, that invasive or uh, that you need to make a decision. And the doctor who is going to be operating on you or doing some treatment with uh, drugs and so on, needs to know what was the results of your chemical analysis of your blood. Same thing is really happening on, on the water side of the business. And if you don't have those data integrated, and if you cannot uh, put them together in a way that uh, once you receive the results from the lab, you can immediately, say, increase the level of chlorine in the water because uh, certain chemicals were uh, detected uh, above the uh, MCL levels, you are missing the opportunity to act very early on your uh, challenges with water quality in your in your operation. Yeah, I, I I like how you've described that. Well, let's stick with water quality. Uh, it's on my it's on my mind a little bit. I'm sure you saw yesterday that the EPA uh, and as we sit here today, there's no PFAS regulation, right? Uh, right. And the EPA established a council to address. PFAS yesterday. And so I'm just kind of curious if you were uh, at a utility and there's, there's no PFAS regulation right now, is there anything that you would be doing uh, from a, a data collection, data harvesting standpoint, using this, using the cloud to start monitoring PFAS or, I mean, or, or how might a utility use uh, a cloud-based system to get itself in a position so that whenever PFAS regulation comes, they're ready for it. I mean, any, I, I know that's a, a very hypothetical question, but uh, it's yeah. it just kind of, just kind of curious about it. Yes. Uh, you, you can, you can never go wrong collecting more data, but you have to be targeted and, and know what you are doing. Although the EPA was late in enacting uh, PFAS regulations, you know, for the obvious reason, we all know why, uh, there are a bunch of states that have drinking water limits on PFAS, particularly on the, on the two coasts, uh, you know, California, Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, and Washington all have some kind of PFAS regulation. So does Colorado and, 
and uh, Oklahoma and a bunch of states on the East Coast as well. And uh, if you look at the number of lawsuits related to PFAS, you know, there are like a dozen states that have very active lawsuits on that subject. So that's a already a red signal that you should be doing something, even if you don't fall in category of one of those states. But now things are becoming much easier with TPA stepping in and trying to normalize that standard because uh, that's a pretty wide uh, spread issue that needs to be dealt with and the smart companies are ahead of the curve and collecting the data and preparing themselves for the new regulations. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great, great answer. I mean, especially with uh, the one thing I, I am, I am curious about is what do you say to the utility that says, well, if we start collecting data and we, we have this PFAS, are we, are we going to be exposed to liability for collecting data? I know that's not, not a, I mean, if you have a response for that, that's great, but I know it's more of a legal question. There is a fear of that. The best defense you can have for the future liability is to have a verifiable set of data, you know, completely validated. So if you're, even if you'll get challenged in the court, uh, when, you know, the first thing that happens in any court's proceedings that involves water quality is, well, let's make sure that the, the, the lab did the right job, you know, did the, you know, it's very easy to report uh, results in some kind of, uh, you know, uh, concentration level of uh, units, but it's very hard to prove it was done correctly or not. Uh, let's start with the calibration of equipment in the lab. How many companies know if the piece of equipment that was used to test that the sample of water was calibrated and uh, can be verified when asked about it? That's type of information that... Uh, you need to collect along with, uh, you know, with the concentration level for that sample. And in fact, uh, we have a statistics, for example, that for every chemical concentration that we report out in our system, there are between 100 and 200 data points that don't get reported, but we keep them in a database just in case when question gets asked, you know, did you see the holding time of the sample in the lab before you tested it? You know, this, the, the instrument that used for testing that sample uh, was calibrated and you have all the records to prove it. And the list goes on and on and on. So the, the very small results that is usually presented in, you know, some uh, units like micrograms per liter is backed up by the old set of data that prove that, that that number is correct. That is a great point. That's something I don't know that I've I've heard uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks in the in the utility data industry, and I don't know that I've heard that particular statement before. So that's really interesting. Um, uh, w- could you just run down kind of some of the other, like, w- besides data validation, what are some of the other kind of uh, key uh, key benefits? You know, just high level key benefits. You know, of, to, of making the switch over to. Uh, to the to the uh, making the digital transformation, I should say. Well, I I think uh, one element that companies need to to look at is uh, it's very costly to uh, collect the water samples, send them to lab for testing, and you know receive the results. You are talking about between one hundred and two hundred dollars per per sample result. It takes uh, less than. Uh, two cents per sample to manage it properly in the cloud, which is pretty insignificant cost. And if you have to repeat the sampling around because something went wrong in any step of the process, 
and and, and you could easily spend $1,000 per sample. And then the companies that have a hard time committing to spending on a cloud-based system to manage that data, they, they paid so highly. It's just incredible because, you know, usually they go through the selection process that involves many consultants and we want to make sure that we don't make mistake and that, you know, we go in a process that, that typically takes one to two years to select the system. And yet there are only a few companies that, that do this in the space besides us. And it should be a pretty straight uh, process, particularly in light, it doesn't cost you upfront almost anything. You can get going for a uh, you know, few thousand dollars and then decide if you, if you like it or not. And all the money that is spent on studying and analysis on the market and the cloud and the security and all, this, all the important things, but not that important to make you spend so much time in selecting the system that can help you so much. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So I, I am kind of curious on where you see the future uh, of, of water heading, what, uh, it, it, you know, sitting here today, if you look in your crystal ball, what, what's the future of water hold for you? Well, we are, we are at the very beginning stages of digital transformation in, in a many different ways. We are, we are seeing, uh, you know, the, I, I spent the time describing the, uh, the water quality analytical testing, and that's uh, well underway to be automated uh, in, you know, many, many different ways. I think the significant impact uh, that is uh, that is being done on a water business uh, is proliferation of IoT technologies, Internet of Things, where anything that could be tested uh, remotely using some kind of sensor is advantageous because you don't need to have a person in a pickup truck to drive to the location to collect the sample, put it in a bottle, administer it correctly, and then uh, send the results back when they arrive. Anything that can be done to uh, shorten that process and make it more bulletproof with uh, new te- newer technologies such as mobile phones, data collection, so that you can uh, proof of uh, presence at the location when you are collecting the sample. And uh, uh, particularly when it comes to IoT, that's uh, hugely important. The other element uh, that is uh, uh, very important uh, that we see on the horizon is the blockchain technology. And uh, a lot of things can be automated uh, and make much more secure through that technology. But that's still three to five years away. But it's uh, it looks like the market is going in that uh, that direction. Yeah. Can you? Exp- all, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Nino. I'm sorry to cut you off. All of this, uh, you know, is primarily dealing with uh, you know water quality. I haven't talked much about water distribution because many of uh, of the previous interviewees have covered that subject very well. Uh, as, as we know, the water distribution is a totally different challenge because the, the, there is only 0.007% of the water on this planet that is uh, that is uh, available to use to humans and most of animals without some uh, pretreatment. And treatment equals to chemicals and the chemicals equal to energy, so you can you have a very strong nexus between uh, uh, you know water and water distribution and energy or uh, climate change. So there is whole set of issues that pop up on that subject as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I am interested in in. Can you expand on the how blockchain would fit into the the water sector? 
It would fit in many different ways, you know, starting with uh, this component that I described earlier on the, la on the analytical uh, 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 analysis in the lab. Each uh, instrument, for example, each pickup truck, each sampling uh, piece of equipment could be an element in the blockchain. That means you don't need to repeat and, and collect that information every time you go out there to collect a sample, and every sample becomes an element of the, of the blockchain that is in instantly connected to all the devices around it, whether that device is a person who, or, uh, who is collecting the sample or engineer who ordered the sample or a location uh, that sample is taken from, or that little bottle that is labeled after sample is collected. And then finally, whatever happened to that sample when it arrived at the lab, you know, how it was shipped, what equipment was used, uh, what was the temperature during the transport, and so on and so forth. All of that becomes uh, significantly simplified because there are many reusable components along the way of the process that you would not have to input every time when you repeat this process. Very good. Very good. Well, Nino, you have been terrific today. Before we depart, uh, could you just give me your, your kind of takeaway? What, what do you want the listener to leave this interview with? Well, the key element is uh, I, that uh, digital transformation is going to be beneficial just to about everybody in a, in, in a, in a, in a process of uh, you know, delivering clean water on the, on the, on the tap. We have been witnessing uh, almost uh, now on monthly basis. Some kind, one, one city goes down because you know the lead in the pipes in uh, Flint, Michigan. You know Albuquerque, Pittsburgh. Almost every city is uh, hitting some kind of water-related crisis uh, on a regular basis. And if we could uh, automate those processes, normalize them, and look at uh, water distribution and water quality management from a single perspective and be able to find out, uh, you know, where do we stand? You know, what is the, how come, for example, I can type in a Google almost anything I want and find information in, in a few seconds or minutes. Uh, and if I want to find out uh, how many water utilities in the U.S. have exceedance of uh, TCE or benzene or, or lead, it's almost impossible to find it because information doesn't exist. And shouldn't that be something of primary interest to every utility, every citizen to find out what is the quality of the water other than, than the CCR that I receive once a year, what, it, what happens in between? Yeah, great, great point, great takeaway. Uh, so Nino, for those who wanna find out more about you, more about Locus, uh, where can they go to get that information? Well, the easiest way is the web itself uh, at uh, uh, www.locustech.com. There is a plenty of information what we really do and uh, and about the company and many of these uh, uh, technologies that I have described. Awesome. Well, Nino, you've been, again, terrific today. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to chat with me. So thank you so much. You've been a great guest. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Uh, thank you. You too, Nino. Bye. Bye-bye. Really enjoyed the conversation with Nino. He has some really good ideas and obviously a tremendous amount of experience uh, in uh, helping entities and utilities achieve their digital transformation. And I loved his line about the one advantage is 
that utilities uh, still using spreadsheets enjoy. It's a classic line there. Uh, and you know, if you if you missed it, just take another listen because it, it's a it's a great great point he makes. Uh, and I'd love to know what you thought about the interview. Please check out the show notes page for info and links referenced in this podcast episode. Just Google the Water Values Podcast. Click the first link that comes up. That'll be the landing page on Bluefield Research's site, and you'll be able to find all the information on there. Uh, you can also tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values and tweet at me using my handle at DTM1993. You can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com and you can sign up for the newsletter at the landing page for the podcast on the Bluefield Research website. Again, the Water Values LLC and Bluefield Research are separate and distinct companies, but we have kind of a joint marketing arrangement and I'm very thankful for Bluefield for providing a home on the web for the Water Values podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and a huge thank you to our sponsors. Again, sponsors of the Water Values podcast for the 2021 season include Intera, Xylem, Black and Veatch, the American Waterworks Association, Can Do, and Woodard and Curran. And this show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders providing their support. I'll also, uh, in closing, just a happy Father's Day to all of you. And please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me well thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer i'm a lawyer licensed in indiana and colorado and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney client relationship with you or with anyone else Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.